So, hello, and welcome to Do The Franchise, uh, back again with me, Jake. And me, James. I'm still you had here. To think about, still here. <laughs> you had to think Wait. about that for a second. I, I mean, I've been on pause since the last one, so, you know, I've just been waiting a while. <laughs> it's so well rehearsed, isn't it, James? I'm sure people can really tell how, how committed to rehearsal we are on our intros. And our, I, uh, so. It's like riding a bike, Jake. If that it's bike fine. was rolling downhill and the wheels were square. yeah if the wheels were coming off i um so yeah it feels kind of strange to be back we're kind of still in a pandemic well we are in a pandemic um we are still kind of in lockdown some not in lockdown some in lockdown uh we it's it's been it's been about three months now james and i usually would have boxed off back to the future before going on our hiatus but due to the way everything sort of worked out for us we didn't we didn't plan very well uh so we uh we had to socially distance from our movies we did, yeah. It was too much, but we we have we've been planning Back to the Future three for a long time, and we are committed to giving you Back to the Future three. So today we are going to do Back to the Future Part three, the watch along, and uh, yeah, you can watch along with us, and we'll go through and do a little bit of a, a little bit of commentary. Well, sounds fair, James, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those that are watching along, uh, we are starting our film from a black and white screen with a plane flying across the Universal logo, um, just in case you've got a weird version like mine, which that actually happens 23 <laughs> seconds into playing the film. So. I don't understand how you what the automatic download... Like, how did the download version on online manage to put like extra eight minutes into the film that I don't have on DVD? What are they doing? I, I think it's lots of black pauses before... It's brilliant. <laughs> before the film. I, that's all I can chalk it up to. It feels kind of strange to be back, so I think what best to be done, James, is just to just dive straight in, and we'll let uh, we'll let our minds wander as they always do as we watch this film. So I'm going to hit play in three, two, one, playing, playing here too, a Universal picture. So this is the really old Universal logos through the years, right? I think they're celebrating. I was just laughing with James before we came on air. So this is like. Universal celebrating their new logo, which if you're watching this in 2020 like we are, this is now their really old logo from the 80s. <laughs> it's already out of date. I think they've had two or three new logos since then. Yeah, I think that's right. It's Yeah, because it's the, it was the 100th anniversary the other year, and this is the 75th. So my God, that's weird, isn't it? It really is, and they've, they've not really changed it all that much. They keep showing a new logo, but it basically looks the same. It's just the Earth and a big Universal banner. I mean, we'll see how long they are yeah. before they're bought out by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> it's just big mouse ears over the globe. <laughs> a giant Mickey Mouse head just <laughs> turning in space. That would be amazing. Uh, so we're now back with Doc Brown on the street from, I guess it's Back to Future 1, but also Back to Future 2. To the joy of time travel. Yeah. Uh, it's so in all of them. Yeah, so it's the classic clock tower blunder where Doc's got to reattach the wire. I, I just love this bit so yeah. much. The music, the pacing, the drama, the way the camera is zoomed in on Marty's face. It's you, so good. You can see why they reuse this scene in each of yeah. the films. They're obviously very proud of it. Do you know, was it me and you were talking about this during Back to Future 1 where this scene, 
the way the action cuts and the way the, the cuts of the shots are so short is one of the most picture perfect ways of building suspense in a film. Like with Marty trying to get to 88, Doc trying to get the wire and the music yeah. building. And as the music builds, the shots get shorter and shorter between cuts. And it's just such a perfect way of like demonstrating the building tension of is he going to make it or not? Uh, and I think for me, it's just one of the many reasons why Zemeckis is a genius. <laughs> Absolutely. The best way of thinking of like film cuts is like sentences, really, isn't it? So these are really yeah. short, punchy sentences in a in a novel, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the music builds really... perfectly with it as well. Like the music builds along with these short burst cuts. Yeah. Oh, the I music love it. comes back in when Marty runs around that corner. It's great. Yeah. It's so good. It's quite nice, actually, to start from here because we've not watched these films since summer and now it's September and we're watching the third one. But it kind of feels like what when you were waiting for this film for, I think it was a year, wasn't it, between the two films? Yeah. Back to the Future, part three. <laughs> so, yeah, waiting a whole year for this one um, would have been... It's a little bit like they did with the Avengers film recently where they did them in two parts. They do it quite often, don't they, with sequels, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, for us, the the closest thing, I guess, would be the Harry Potter stuff, where yeah, this yeah, yeah. books into more films than they probably needed, and then released them years apart. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows was two films split over two years. Um, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, they did that with the Matrix uh, sequels. True, true. I believe they did it with Back to the Not Back to the Future. I'm talking about Back to the Future. Um, Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm going mad. Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, James. You know, they did the uh, the sequel yeah. with uh, Bill Nye as uh, Davy Jones. Yeah. I think that second one and third one were filmed uh, in consecutive order. They were filmed together and then released a year apart, I think, same as these. Oh, okay. So okay. it's quite common with the with the big sequels in, in big franchises that they do this. Yeah. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? I guess they, 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 they want to, obviously release it in a time where it's going to get the most audience but also yeah. it makes sense if you're going to have films that are very closely linked if you can afford to film them together yeah you probably of course. should i think this uh this is probably the film that i remember the least if i'm honest out of all three of them and i think a little bit of that was i'd seen it as a kid maybe once when it when i first watched all three of them and then i hadn't gone back to the third one probably until mm. i bought it on dvd do you know what honestly until i bought it on dvd and this dvd box set that i've got on my little shelf i think of it as new but i think i bought it when i was about 16 year old so it's probably about 15 years old now <laughs> but i didn't i don't think until i was about 15 or 16 i hadn't actually watched it again the third one until i bought it on dvd i never had it on vhs when i was growing up okay it, it, it does seem like that in some ways the poor relation even though it was filmed at the same time as number two i think a lot yeah. of people don't look on it as fondly um i i certainly don't have the same fond memories of three as i do of one and two but yeah i was surprised by how much i liked two so you never know maybe i'll be surprised here yeah i think this is it. the hoverboard is there in doc's living room which I, did you yeah. see marty marty has his feet on the hoverboard and he's asleep on the sofa which is just a lovely way of tying in the second and third one together yeah that they're, they're in 50s but marty's got his legs up on the hoverboard <laughs> <laughs> So Doc's realised that he'd just woken up after the lightning strike had happened and he'd sent Marty back to the 80s and it all worked. But then another Marty appears around the corner. <laughs> when you're a time-travelling technician is what you really don't want. Yeah. 
this is definitely a, a cascading failure or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> cascading failure. I look, Marty's just in the background, <laughs> getting all letters up. Yeah. He's so good, isn't he, in this film? Yeah. Christopher Lloyd is so good in it as that, that character. Like, what? Talk about a role that's been defined. You couldn't recast him either, I don't think. No, I can't think if of If they anyone. tried to redo it, you could never recast him, really. He's just too good. I reckon if they left it for maybe another 20 years, yeah. and they got a, a then Johnny Depp to do it, maybe, maybe. But he'd probably just yeah. do his weird Tonto uh, <laughs> Jack Sparrow <laughs> falls off the hoverboard. Yeah, um, let's let's be honest. Tonto Jack Sparrow, um, they're, they're kind of a similar character. Yeah, he does the. Like, I love Johnny Depp. Don't get me wrong, but he kind of does the same thing in every film with a yeah. certain twist on it. Yeah, he's um, basically the same character. I mean, the, uh, he's got the Jack Sparrow, and then he's got the Willy Wonka. And that yeah. seems to be his range. And then he's got those odd films where he tries to be a Hollywood actor. <laughs> like, is it not? Is it not real? Not real window. Secret window. That's a so, weird film. Yeah. Um. We'll talk about Johnny Depp another day, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not the time or place. Probably not. But uh, for those following along, Marty's just given a synopsis of what's happened in the previous two films. <laughs> I'm just trying to pay attention to the room they've got. So Doc's got the model from the first film over there on the table, hasn't he? Uh, that's the one where he shows the DeLorean model going down the street before it sets on fire on the bin. <laughs> that's so good. I love, at this point, Doc's reading a letter from himself. And to, yeah. he's, he's reading this letter in the same animated way it was probably written, which is great. Yeah, he's reading it as the way that Doc would have written it when he arrived in the 1880s. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just genuinely impressed by everything that's going on. It is. It's. It does. Do you know, it's one of those films where we've had so much exposure to time travel films since since this, you know, since the 80s. And you listen to this and you kind of have to get your head around that that doc that we're, we're watching now is the 50s doc. Yeah. The one that we went back in time to meet in the first film. There's also 80s doc who was with Marty in the 50s, but he's now even further back in the 1880s. <laughs> and it, it's so weird, isn't it? Because all, all this uh, doc's always yeah. says, I want to know about my future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now he's getting to learn about his future, which is also his past. It's so yeah, weird. It's a, yeah, it's a future that exists in this doc's past. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is crazy. So this is clever. So this is where... Doc explains that he's buried the DeLorean in the 1880s, which means in the 50s they can dig it up and find it, unless someone else had found it first, which is probably more highly likely that would have happened. Yeah. So funny. I'm trying to remember, last time Marty was in this room, was it also raining outside? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was yeah. Constantly raining. You see the, the 50s Doc. You seen the chessboard in front of Einstein on the table? Yeah, it's just like a really weird chessboard with loads of wires hanging out of it. I'm guessing he's trying to psychically move the chess pieces. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I do have some facts that we can go through as we go through the film. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to. I've got so there's actually loads and loads of trivia from IMDb around this film, so I'm gonna to have to find it really hard to um, to find this out and, and to pick it up. I'll, I can give you one straight off the bat. Actually, um, the location of the 1885 Hill Valley was the same location that was used for Clint Eastwood's Pale Rider in 1985. Ironically, oh. that film was knocked off the number one slot in the box office in 1985 by Back to the Future One. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I they used the they same set. When they chose that. So funny, isn't it? That's brilliant. <laughs> right now they're going down. Oh, the dog's got a little helmet on with a torch. <laughs> Can you see that? Have you hit that yeah. bit? Where they've gone down the mine shaft. Yeah. Little puppy's got a torch on his helmet. <laughs> oh my god, that's adorable. It's, it's it's the best way to be a pup. I'm simply every time I see Doc's dog, I'm completely distracted. Like it's really bad, isn't it? it never <laughs> used to happen to me when I was a kid, but now I've grown up into an adult. I just want to look at dogs all the time. More, much happier. <laughs> they make the world so much better. All right, they found the shaft, and there's a boxed-in place with Emmett Brown's initials on the um on the wood. Yeah. I'm quite surprised. I mean, imagine this mine shaft's been around for a long time that no one would have gone and dug through it and found the time. Which I mean, like someone could easily have found DeLorean in the twenties or in the thirties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The dock would have had to have been a really, it's a big gamble. It's a huge gamble, isn't it? Yeah. Which is clever, though, because at least now the 50s Doc and 50s Marty have got a DeLorean that they can look at. And it's probably in just the same condition because it's, <laughs> it's com- the metal it's made of won't rust or anything, will it? Well, no, it wouldn't have done under there, would it? Definitely not. I mean, the tyres will probably need blowing up. Yeah. After, like, what, 70 years? I do love it when they look through the hole at the DeLorean, though. And yeah. Doc's dog looks through with them like he's just a bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, James, look, the tyres are knackered. Yeah. <laughs> you were right, Jake. I'm quite happy about that, that little detail. The tyres have, like, worn out. <laughs> um, did you hear that Doc just picked up a component from the DeLorean and said, no wonder it failed, it says made in Japan. <laughs> And Doc's like, all the, Mark, Marty's like, all the best stuff's made in Japan, Doc. He's like, what? <laughs> so funny, is it? Like, the, the manufacturing yeah. centres of the world have changed so much over the years. Since the 50s. Yeah, definitely since the 50s. I mean, we still had, like, a lot of American stuff here in the 50s, I guess, didn't we? Probably not as much as there is now, but... Yeah. I mean, Coca-Cola and things, they were in the UK in the, by the 50s, weren't they, I think? Oh, yeah. They've been around for a long time. Right, we've got Doc Brown's um, grave gravestone. Died September 7th, 1885. So Doc's now learnt about his future Death. past self. <laughs> and yeah. how his future past self dies. <laughs> it's so weird. This is a big point of this film, as I remember, though. It's about the fact that the time machine creates so many more problems than it solves. Yeah. 
and uh, by the end of this film, Doc realizes it can't. You can't have it. It's got to be destroyed once they sort everything out and stop everything from happening. <laughs> Shot over the matter of eighty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <clears throat> Right, now we see Biff's relative, Mad Dog Tannen. He was mentioned in the second one, wasn't he? Yes. When um, when, when alternative Biff takes over the world, basically, and becomes Donald Trump. Uh, Donald, <laughs> we'll call him Donald Biff. Donald Biff. He's got a um, casino, and they show a museum, don't they, with like all of Biff's ancestry, and it says his oldest ancestor is Mad Dog Tannen. <laughs> it's really funny. I love that reference as well where he says uh, where you're going there are no roads yeah that's brilliant you hear what he said about um, he was the Browns didn't come to Hill Valley until 1908 and when they came here they were the Von Brons (laughs) Uh, weren't the Von Brons Von Braun was the one that invented the rocket wasn't he yeah there was a famous inventor, wasn't he, Von Braun? Um, yes. Freer Von Braun, German um, aerospace engineer. Oh, he developed the uh, big rockets for the Nazis during World War Two. Yeah, the V2s. The V2s, yeah, that was Von Braun. That's that's mad, yes. That's a good reference as well, for the fact that he's descended from the Von Braun scientists. Uh, he had a, a brilliant quote. It was something along the lines of... Uh, the because uh, he, he was always interested in space exploration, so yeah, yeah. the V2s then went on to become the Apollo missions. Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, the, and, uh, the 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 Saturn Fives. Yeah, and the uh, the the von Braun said something to the effect of uh, the V2 rocket was a, a dazzling success. It just landed on the wrong planet. Ah, oh, um, yeah, that's sad, isn't it? I thought that was really sort of he realised what he was building for the Nazis, but yeah, you know, yeah, a machine it, of war. Yeah, doing it for the you know the love of science and wanting to further that, but unfortunately, obviously, it was a, a weapon of war at the time. Yeah, and it's like being born in the wrong century, isn't it? Almost. Yeah. So, uh, Clint Eastwood was contacted for permission about the use of his name. Um, as Marty decides to change his name to Clint Eastwood in this film, <laughs> he he did give them full consent, and he said he was absolutely tickled by the homage. <laughs> Brilliant! It's great, like, isn't it? I like to think of like Clint Eastwood, obviously bit of a diva, but at the same yeah. time willing to have a laugh at his own expense. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, apparently, there's another one when Doc and Marty are at the drive-in theater in this scene, preparing to go to 1885. Uh, Marty mentions that Clint, uh, that Clint Eastwood. He's, he's, he says that Clint Eastwood never wore anything like this. Doc replies, "Clint who?" And in this <laughs> shot, there, in this shot, there's a movie poster on the drive-in wall showcasing *Revenge of the Creature* and *Tarantula*, containing some of the first film appearances as the young, then unknown Clint Eastwood. Uh, Marty then looks briefly at the points on the poster and says to Doc, "Oh yeah, that's right. You've not heard of him yet." <laughs> <laughs> So it was a really, really proper thought-out homage to Clint yeah. Eastwood. I think I love that. I just think that's great. It's uh, yeah. It's <clears throat> that again. That real attention to detail in in these yeah. films. It's brilliant. I mean, me and my brother have always said that if you had to 
take any trilogy and obviously there's been so many famous trilogies that have been made over the years that back to the future is probably the nearest to perfect you'll ever you'll ever find yeah even if you didn't like the second one or the third one or whatever and you don't think it's as good as the first one you can't argue that the continuity between these three films is absolutely superb (laughs) exactly it's fantastic a time machine's about to go now again yeah slightly more crude as they've put 50s car wheels on it yeah it's kind of cool though. I love the way he jokes about crashing into the Indians and then nearly crashes into the Indians. <laughs> yeah, they're all there on the field. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Funny. Yeah, because in the letter, doesn't Doc tell him not to come? He tells him not to go back to yeah. eighteen eighty-five, but because of the gravestone, he feels compelled to go and save him. Yeah, because Doc's uh, like, I'm happy. Leave, leave me be i'm happy here yeah but obviously you get shot <laughs> like can't can't quite call that happy yeah i do love this shot of a delorean being chased by a bunch of In, yeah indians <laughs> it's so good i just like that i guess it's a little bit like doctor who where you can kind of take the ingredients that make it fun. So you take the teenager and the DeLorean and you could kind of put that in any setting and make it work. Yeah. Like, and obviously I know that Zemeckis has still got the rights to this and he doesn't look like he's ever going to give them up, which is perfectly fine. I don't think they need to make another Back to the Future by any means, but you know that if they were going to make another one with another kid, like another young actor, you could keep making those films and they could have so many different adventures that just would just span history and time, wouldn't they, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You could could do anything. with Doctor Who, isn't it? You know, they, they yeah. keep reinventing it. In but by reinventing it, I mean they just put different characters into different yeah. situations. And yeah, and you, you just go and go and go and go with it forever. You got the cavalry coming, <laughs> the, the yeah, the U.S. cavalry chasing off the Native Americans. Classic. This will probably get banned in a few years for promoting um, the destruction of the Native Americans. Yeah, I mean this, because haven't they started doing a lot of films sort of putting a little warning in front of them saying that you know yeah this, this could trigger you. Yeah, this is this is going to trigger you to go on social media and spout your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to go on social media and spout your opinion about us, you can, but there's a good chance me and James won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've answered, I've answered some comments from uh, social media, which had been put on there in like early February, and I only got around to reading them in August. Because <laughs> we're so organised. You're taking social distancing to the extreme. I'm doing social media distancing. <laughs> I oh, the, the bear! Show, the bear, because the shot yeah. behind the bear is very blatantly a guy in a bear suit. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to film the real bear. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that. I mean, are there bears? There must be bears in. There were bears in California. Are there still bears in California? I'm guessing there are. There's everything in California, Jake. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot. It's a lot of wildfires going on there at the moment. But I do know they have a lot of wildlife in the mountains, don't they? Like bobcats yeah. and cougars and things. So I'm guessing they'll have black bears and brown bears. No, they have them in Yellowstone, don't they? That's that's California, of course. Oh, this is great. 
so this this is the repeat of the same sequence from all the other films, isn't it? With the yeah. mum and and the bed. From it's in the room in the fifties. It's in the hotel in the second one, isn't it? I love these Irish <laughs> accents as well. <laughs> yeah, they're so poor, aren't they? <laughs> I guess there's a certain amount of creative freedom where you can go, they were doing old-fashioned pretend Irish accents and they were American immigrants, so you can kind of you can kind of do what you want to with that. I mean, we have to uh, believe that a car can travel back in time and I can deal with accents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And isn't it like, don't they say something like, like the Liverpudlian accent, the Scouse accent, that's Irish, isn't it? That comes from Ireland. It's like a blending of the people that came over yeah, to England many, many, there, many yeah. years ago. Yeah, that's where they... They have different intonations of speech compared to other parts of the UK, which are obviously from France and the Saxons. Let me have a look. Right, so uh, I have another fact. Okay. In the first movie, Doc tells Marty that he was inspired to create the flux capacitor after hitting his head on the bathroom sink whilst trying to hang a clock over his toilet. In this movie, when Doc freaks out after seeing Marty at his house, he runs into the bathroom... And you can just see the clock hanging above the toilet on which he then slips. <laughs> Brilliant. She's funny. I love how Marty's continually shocked about time travel, even though this is the third time he's done it. Yeah. 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 He's in the yeah, he's in the eighteen hundreds, but he's really uncomfortable with the fact that he's gone backwards in time. Yeah, it's so funny. You must have loved doing this role as well, playing the different versions of the McFlies. I like the. I uh, see the water is brown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like this. I like the second one where he plays the son and the old Marty at the same time. I really yeah. like them. That was really funny. It is kind of weird though. Like, imagine going back to, you know, I live in a really old house here in Sheffield. Yeah. Imagine going back to this house in like the twenties or the in the early you know the nineteen tens and being like, oh, we don't have this. There's no washing machine. There's no floor. The carpets are not the same. Everything's really old. They don't have double glazed windows. Like everything would be a shock, wouldn't it? I I find it difficult when I go and see my gran and she doesn't have Wi Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like she's got double glazing and heating that's not enough for you it's yeah. the lack of wi-fi that screws you up <laughs> no i i remember my nan saying to me once well, i remember being cold i don't know i was moaning about something and she said to me uh you should be so thankful when i was a child we used to have ice on the insides of the windows <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what I remember being really shocked about that when I was a kid. It's because they didn't have double glazing or central heating, so they had a fire in the living room. And then when you went to bed at night, you just had to get wrapped up for bed. I I wouldn't have lived. I would have. I wouldn't have coped. I'd have died. I yeah. probably would have died. You, you, you I love. Like I love. Oh, mate. Yeah, you know, I love. I love the idea of you know cowboys and Indians and an open fire and you know whatever. But I couldn't deal with just being cold all the time in the winter. That yeah. would just do me in. I think the buckshot in the rabbit that he killed also wouldn't do me any good no you don't really eat meat anyway do you no no i would have struggled i would have been burnt yeah. to heretic probably yeah there's no veganism there either back in those days no probably isn't even vegetarians <laughs> he's holding his kid going you're my great-grandfather that's just weird as well 
Yeah. Well, a bit are you at? Are you in Hill Valley now? Are you. Uh, he was, he's just held the kid up. Uh, yeah. Who's peed on him? He's walking down a train track. Yeah. Sound. All right. I'm going to pause mine for a few seconds just to catch up with you. I am just arriving at Hill Valley now, uh, at the train station. Yeah, that's where he is now. And he's walking into town, which again is the set from uh, Pale Rider. Nice. I think is that lift of his cap and a whistle is that that seems like a clint eastwoody thing as well yeah i think there's a lot of homages to it it's yeah. like you know, when you watch hot fuzz and you realize how many um nods to other films there are in hot fuzz yeah it's palpable you can literally there's so many there's like a hundred different different cameos of different films different nods let me have a look on here i love the outdoor bathhouse yeah, and this is the man making the gravestones. Oh, A. Jones, James, who's shoveling the manure, which you might see in a second if yeah. you're slightly behind me, uh, was a reference to D. Jones, who is uh, the same manure truck shoveler in the future. So the one that Biff crashes into <laughs> uh, in the eighties and sorry in the in the ninth in the in the fifties was in the manure truck with red D. Jones. So it's like a distant relative, right? <laughs> that's brilliant that's again they're obviously so aware of the the writing for all these films and so good nods like that it's awesome obviously they're building the clock tower uh in every film apparently marty i've seen we know marty's knocked out and wakes up with his mom uh leah thompson is always present and she always says be still now and tells him exactly how long he's been out cold <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise that Marty had Nike trainers on. I've just realised. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, had not. I had not even fathomed. I'd not even seen that. That's brilliant. Because the uh, the boots were eaten by the bear. Oh yes, he ran off, didn't he? Yeah, of course he did. He had the boots. The, the bear got them. And he's just That's jumped great. in poo. Now he's in what used to be Cafe Eighties, but it's yes. now the saloon. It's the, it's in the same place as the cafe in the fifties and Cafe Eighties in the uh, in the in the future great isn't it it's just so good these guys that are at the table um in in the saloon are all proper um tenured cowboy actors from different cowboy films right uh, so apparently like they're all very specifically picked out of cowboy western films from the from the 60s and 70s and they were put in this film specifically to be like nods and homages to all the westerns that had come before this <laughs> That's so good. Like you can tell, like you know, the old guy playing cards. They're all yeah. apparently they're all proper tenured um, Western actors. That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I do mean... love a, yeah, I love a Western. Like I can't lie. Like I kind of grew up on them because my nan is big into John Wayne. And um, when when we were in America, I went to John Wayne's place of birth in Iowa. Okay, it's kind of a really strange link to my life that has been given to me by my nan and will always be there. That like there's this constant obsession. I could love and just sit down and watch a western and get lost in them. I, I love them. I've always loved them. That's cool. I, I, I'm not like that engrossed in it. Yeah, I, I've, I've obviously watched westerns. I think the the ones I like more are some of the more modern ones, like uh, Unforgiven. It's a brilliant. Yeah, film. yeah, it's amazing modern film. But I, I love the burning sensation that this drink has as well. <laughs> it pours <laughs> onto the bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. 
Right, Biff's in now. Yeah. Um, and Not Biff, sorry, Mad Dog. Mad Dog. Mad Dog. So I'm having to correct myself now. It's not Biff, it's Biff's relatives. So yeah. good. He says, what's Nikkei? Some sort of Asian talk or something? <laughs> this is just another another reason um, another reason why I love Biff. It's just so good in this film. He's great. Is it Tom Wilson? Sorry, Tom Wilson. I'm forgetting his real name. Tom Wilson, yeah. the, the actor. Um, he's just so good in this film, in all three of them. It's just the whole crew are great. Like when they commented on his burly whites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's not got decayed teeth like all the Western Western uh, cowboys. So like a, a a more modern version of the uh, the Monty Python joke in uh, the Holy Grail when uh, the king rides past the peasants. And one of the peasants yeah. goes, "Oh, you must be a king or something." And the other one says, "How do you know?" Well, he's not got shit all over him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that film. Uh, and Biff now has spit all over him um, yeah. from the from the spit spit box, I guess what you call it. I don't yeah, know what the specific spittoon. term. It's a spittoon. Is, is that what it's called? Yeah. I've no idea. I did not know that was a thing. It's just the thing that they spit their tobacco in, isn't it? Yeah. When they chew tobacco, which they used to do in the days. <laughs> the Michael Jackson moonwalking as well. It's brilliant. It's great, isn't it? Right, I'm now with Marty running out of the saloon. Are you here yet? Uh, yeah. And he runs out and nearly gets kicked by a horse. Oh, there's a great shot back there as well, where one of the one of Biff's one of Mad Dog's cronies um, runs out of the saloon and just jumps up onto the horse, like he does a full pole vault up onto the horse. Yeah. Without without having to use the cl- to climb onto it or anything, like, that's gonna be hard to do, isn't it? It's got you. You've got to practice that. That's really cool. He kind of jumps off the deck onto the back of the horse with a yeah. one swift movement. Oh, I love that. That, that. That's what. That's one thing you get from westerns that you just don't see in modern films. But like the people that were in westerns, they had to train really hard to fire guns without blinking. Yeah, and they had to learn to ride horses like proper cowboys. So well, they kind of are, in a real sense, as real to cowboys as they're gonna as you're gonna get. Absolutely, you know. And this is still a time of filmmaking where most of these shots were done. You know, they were real. There's no yeah. CGI yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty being dragged along. This is actual Marty being dragged along. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no way they're probably mess. a stunt double, but actual marty being dragged along it's not a, a computer generated marty i mean apparently tom wilson um did he performed all the horse riding stunts he learned how to do it uh, he also did the lasso over marty he learned to oh, lasso neat. for this film so exactly what you just said um tom wilson decided i'm gonna i'm gonna do it properly and learn how to do it that's brilliant apparently marty here when he's uh, being strung up on the clock tower um Michael J. Fox was knocked unconscious. Uh, he was un- accidentally hung for a few minutes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, gosh. and apparently uh, he talks about it in his biography, uh, saying about how he was he was really it really fucked him up and really scared him. They thought they thought he was just acting, but he was actually choking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Mad like when, that, uh, it? it's like when uh, Tommy Cooper actually died on stage, and people thought it was part of his act. Yeah, that was real. Yeah, that was real, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's weird. 
Apparently, Michael J. Fox compared the filming of all three movies to being back in school. Uh, said it seemed like someone was always teaching him something to do for each film. And during the course of the trilogy, Fox learned how to play guitar, how to ride a horse, and how to shoot a gun properly. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting school. Um... Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just love the scope of this film. You know how they've just carved out all of the, of basically a rough version of Hill Valley in this, in this western town. Like, I just love it. It's all laid out exactly the same as Hill Valley's supposed to be. <laughs> Just all the attention to detail is is superb. It's it's great. And we get to see Doc again. Doc is now this is this is real Doc. This is eighties Doc. Yeah. This is eighties Doc, and they've just had an argument about the the maths of what he owes Biff and what Biff owes him. Yeah, eighty dollars or whatever it was. <laughs> so now they're in Doc's workshop he's just realised that he's going to get shot at the end of the week <laughs> I like Doc's little um, blacksmith shack that's yeah. got all of his blacksmith stuff Like, and he's got his machinery that he's made he's clearly just settled in straight away into the 1800s life it's brilliant oh I love this Are you? this is the bit where he's got, we see this massive machine that Doc's got yeah and it's like loads of spinning mechanisms and loads of steam-powered engines. And you're like, what is he making? And then in a few minutes, we get to see what comes out of the machine. Do you know what it is? I can't remember. Right, I won't ruin it. I'm going to wait till it happens. Yeah. It... So he's climbing up his machine right now. Right. And they're suddenly just worried about Jennifer because they left her on the porch. <laughs> it's like how far into the film we are and she's not been mentioned and now all of a sudden he's worried. Yeah. Has the guy... The guy's just come and given Doc a letter about um, Clara yeah. Clayton. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I think... Whatever the machine's making is about to happen. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. This is. I'm a bit behind you now for some reason. They're just talking about Jennifer now, and Doc's explaining that the almanac. Once once they go back in time, because the almanac's been destroyed, Jennifer will just be on the porch like she was when they left. <laughs> like, have you, I love you... how when it's convenient to the plot, time travel's really easy to explain. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh, I have to explain it to my wife, Natalie, all the time. She, no idea. She really struggles with some of it. Um, we went to see Tenet recently, and that was a, that was an interesting experience. I don't think she liked it at all, but um, I liked it. <laughs> right. It's just have you produced... seen the machine? Yeah, it's just produced <laughs> the ice. Now, the noise the machine makes, the little sort of honking noise. With the whistle, yeah. That is, I believe, the same noise that one of the machines in the Air Wonka factory made. That oh really? Effect sounds almost exactly the same with that little from from the original from the original yeah. Willy Wonka, the Gene yeah, Wilder one. The, the Gene Wilder one, the, the the only one that's worth watching. Yeah, yeah, the, the real one. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's brilliant. He's he's making an ice machine for a fridge, basically a freezer. <laughs> I love the placement of that mirror, so you can see yeah, what Doc's with... saying, and you can see Marty's reaction. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, they really do do well with those kind of shots in these films. Um, 
clever placement of shots. I love this shot as well with them riding across Monument Valley on the um, with the DeLorean being pulled by horses. Yeah, I wonder if it's those so horses good. are actually pulling that car because that's I a think heavy so. car. Yeah, that's got to be real, isn't it? I mean, it's I mean, Hollywood, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, but James, they would have taken the engine out of it. Surely they won't need the engine in it. It's being, it's a prop, isn't it? Let's hope. All they have to do is put, put the chassis so on. Tired. Yeah, yeah, no. You just take the engine and components out, put the chassis on wheels, and, yeah. and then obviously wheel it along like an empty shell. So now they're trying to find out how to get the DeLorean up to eighty-eight miles an hour in nineteen, sorry, in eighteen eighty-five. Yeah, which is the carburetor or something should fell off. <laughs> <laughs> Exhaust has fallen off. Yeah. It? Didn't so they, they just can't put beer or wine or something into They just put whiskey down it, I think. <laughs> pure, pure whiskey. Oh. It was the fuel injection manifold, Jake. I know nothing yeah. about cars, but doctors. I don't know if that's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> but again, my car knowledge isn't sufficiently... Uh, it's not sufficiently well enough to, good enough to, t- to be able to tell you whether or not that is a thing or not. It sounds real. I know, I know that carburetors, pistons, and fuel injectors are something. <laughs> now, the date that's on the calendar, that's, that was just in the background, and then it becomes part of the scene. Oh. I like that. Oh, yeah. That's September cool. 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just there in the background, so the audience can see it, and then Marty points at it and really highlights. And another it. another amazing thing they just did there is introduce the train through the medium of the sound. Yeah. So you hear the train horn, and then you, and see, then it the you see it yeah. come into shot behind Doc, and it's like the ideas coming out of Doc's head. Yeah. And I know that people will go and think that I'm just talking a lot of babble bollocks as a as a as a person that studied film, but that is literally. Purse, like, but it's deliberately placed there so it looks yeah. like that train's coming into shot from Doc's mind because he's just thought of the idea um, and the whistle's given him the inspiration for using the train. I think that's like the benefit of a Hollywood film with a massive budget like this that they can yeah. actually make a shot like that happen. Obviously, if you're doing like a oh, low yeah. budget indie film, things that happen in the background are incidental and probably just real people walking around that yeah. just yeah, happen yeah. to be in the shot. Whereas something like this, they can plan for something like that to happen. And well, yeah, they would have. They, they built the yeah. train, yeah, put the train in themselves, and then yeah. deliberately figure out when the train's going to come into shot. I mean, yeah, a shot like that would have taken weeks to plan, weeks and weeks. Yeah, you don't just rock up on set and film that. That takes ages to plan that shot in perfectly to make sure it's lined up correctly. Now they've just gone to the. Uh, <laughs> they've gone to the valley to see where the. Uh, train bridges and the bridge hasn't been built yet yeah they need to build it over the valley <laughs> god that looks ter- you see that valley looks terrifying as well yeah imagine having to build a bridge over that valley just oh i always get i always get kind of te- terrified do you remember the um viaduct in harry potter that the train goes around in scotland yeah and obviously that exists. It's a real viaduct, but it's like 150 foot high and it's made of stone and it goes around a huge valley in yeah. Scotland between two mountains. And you're like, how do they even build that back in the day? Like, how would you even conceptually start to think, I need to get from one mountain to the other. I'm going to build a massive train viaduct. Yeah. It's bonkers, isn't I, it? It, it, always, it always blows my mind that that's happened in like, what, 200 years? All those innovations. <laughs> I <laughs> I like that there's a big end of track sign as well, <laughs> just in case you weren't sure. End of track, and um, and 
uh, Doc's rebuke there to Marky about, you know, you're just not thinking fourth dimensionally. <laughs> it's like, that's a regular <laughs> yeah. thing. You're just not thinking fourth dimensionally, Marty. Oh, that's great. And then we've got a new a new chase scene introducing a yep. newish character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm just going to zoom to that. Right, yeah, he has to get Clara off of that um, wagon. I think I'm ahead of you again. I don't know how this keeps happening. It's so weird, isn't it? So I've just watched the um, Clara's thing go off the cliff. Yeah. Has that just happened? That's yeah, just yeah, happened, yeah. yeah. So it's just broken yeah. little bits. Sounds. We are, we are pretty much on it. Yeah. That's fine. I'm looking forward to seeing how my new microphone fares with this this episode. I know that's probably not something the listeners are interested in by any means, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm really loud, I'm going to be really pissed off with myself for not sorting it out properly. <clears throat> we'll have to see. I'm sure it'll be fine. We can always we can always edit it. We can edit it. It's fine. Yeah. We can do some we can do movie magic, can't we, James? Absolutely. It is good to be back, though. I definitely I I like this. It's good from watching. A film with you rather than just watching films like I watched Venom the other day terrible film um, oh I've not watched it yet yeah it's alright <laughs> is it worth my time yeah why not <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's not like they're releasing many new films at the moment like, no I agree <laughs> it kills a couple of hours and they're not releasing anything else this year so uh, never mind uh, right this is so now we've got Clara home Doc's now kind of gone head over heels in love with her straight away yeah uh, which is very very funny considering he just had a massive rant about how he'll never fall in love uh, apparently the character of Clara is a reference to Clara Clemens um, Samuel Clemens, uh, Mark Twain's daughter. Ah, so, okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Clara Clemens was Mark Twain's daughter. Uh, she went on a sleigh ride with her husband, uh, Ossip Gabrilowicz. I cannot say. I can't even pronounce that. Gabrilowicz. Anyway, something like it's a foreign that. name. <laughs> uh, the horse. <laughs> yeah. I'll have another go at it later. The horse took fright. Uh, and from a windswept newspaper and bolted, they lost control of the horse and at the top of the hill next to a 50 foot drop, the sleigh overturned throwing Clemens out uh, her husband leaped to the ground and caught the horse by the head, stopping it as it was about to plunge over the bank, dragging Clemens with her dress caught in the runner okay. so that is all based on that so the horse going down the, the, the carriage just now in Back to the Future is based on Mark Twain's daughter that's that, mad, isn't it? That's a cool little reference, though. Yeah, it's a nice fact as well. I like it. I like, you know, if anything, James, do the franchise is going to be providing quality facts and education this time round. <laughs> I want to know in the background there behind her house, there was a little windmill that didn't seem right. to be attached to anything. I want right. to know what that was doing. <laughs> I haven't got a fact for that. I know. I, it's fine. I'm going to I'm going to try Sorry. and find out what the little windmill was doing. <laughs> Because it's just a, like a Western style thing, isn't it? That they all had like windmills, yeah. but they were usually like it's in the name mills. They were milling something, but that didn't seem to be. It just seemed to be connected to the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Doc's just realised he's changing time. Yeah, yeah. He's realised that it's it's devastatingly bad what he's doing. Apparently. uh 
one of the DeLoreans used in the filming of Back to the Future 3 was on display at Planet Hollywood in Honolulu in Hawaii. Uh, the restaurant had it suspended from the ceiling until the restaurant's closure in 2010. Uh, it was hung upside down to give the restaurant patrons a better view of the vehicle from above. I don't know what happened to it after that. though. It doesn't tell me. That's oh. sad, isn't it? I'm guessing it had been sold on or something by then, you know, yeah. auctioned. Probably in some private collector's hands now. Oh, I found another fact, but I'm going to have to wait until a bit later, I think. Okay, okay, because we're about to blow up another toy car. <laughs> oh, he's doing it again. I, sorry, I was looking away for a second there. Yeah, so they go over the ravine, but the train goes over the ravine, but the car won't. It'll reappear in the 80s and it'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, it's clever, isn't it? Yeah. This is the kind of time travel I can deal with, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, when it gets too complex, I start to get pissed off with it. <laughs> and not for not for lack of understanding, but, you know, it's that grandfather paradox, isn't it? Where if you go back in time and shoot your own grandfather, can you ever be born to commit the crime? Yeah. Um, and the, the answer is, there is no answer. <laughs> yeah. And unless someone Which, actually goes and does it, we'll never know. Yeah, because they can't. Re- scientists can't reconcile that with physics, can they? Really, it yeah. doesn't work. But the idea that you could go back in time and kill your grandfather would work in a way because you'd already be going back in time, and that time travel event would be your future, wouldn't it? And not your past. So that's what they reckon. But I still think it's just crazy hard to to think about. Yeah, I. <laughs> Just the bit that where the train was going around the track there, and Doc was yeah. yelling out each point, even though Marty could see it. But he's doing it obviously for <laughs> our benefit. But Marty can yeah, see yeah. Where, where the train is, probably better than Doc can from where Doc is. So good. Right, Clara Clayton's come to get a telescope fixed. Yeah. Sounds like a euphemism, that doesn't it? It's, it's not. She yeah. just wants to gen- genuinely get her telescope fixed by the dock. It's in a really nice box, so you know. You, yeah, you'd, want, an, you'd want to look after it. Yeah, you, it's like you and your cameras, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's basically what you'd probably be into, wouldn't it? If you were in eighteen eighty-five, you'd be into your telescopes because yeah. there's no there's no telephoto lens yet. There is there's probably there is cameras, isn't there? But they're not proper, you know. No. Not digital cameras, obviously, but they're, they're the cameras that um. They use the disposable bulbs on, right? Yeah, that's correct. What do they? Ha- what do they? Uh, you probably know more about this than me. They go under a veil, don't they? Is that something to do with exposure? Uh, yeah. So they're under the veil. They're looking at what's called a, a ground glass. So yeah. it's basically what the uh, lens projects the image on until you put your film or your wet plate in there to capture the yeah. image. So they they go under that so they can see, and usually they'll use a little magnifying glass on the ground glass yeah. to check focus and things like that. Um, and they weren't uh, the lenses were too big at the time for shutters, so they usually used a, a cap to cover the lens. So uh, when people talk about a lens cap now, it's usually like a plastic thing that clips onto the front. But yeah, to, a lens to protect cap it would have literally been that a, a hat or a cap that they put over the lens. That's mad, isn't it? Because they did. Yeah, because they took this is a moment where we're erecting the clock of Hill Valley. Yeah. Um, and they take a photo, but that they could take photos back then. But you can't really fathom it, can you? That they could do photographs back in the eighteen hundreds, like yeah. that. It's like when you see photos of the Titanic and stuff, and you think, God, they had all that then. And like even now, we're trying to make cameras better. 
better quality this, better image that. And yeah. like they were doing it a hundred, you know, 120, 150 years ago. It's mad. It's crazy. I love that. <laughs> he says, may it stand for all time. <laughs> it's like, we know it just gets struck by lightning. It's cursed, this clock. So funny. Hey, here's a camera. Look, James. Yeah. He's about to do exactly what we just talked about. Again, quality education here on Do The Franchise. Full of knowledge. So I have another fact. So the, the clock there, when they take the photograph, um, the clock is set at eight minutes past eight. Uh, so 88. Yeah. And this is the possibly a reference to the 88 mile per hour speed limit that DeLorean must reach before it can time travel. Clever. <laughs> I like it. So it's not been officially confirmed whether that was deliberate on Zemeckis' part, but we think it probably was. <laughs> so this is another really cool moment with the uh, with the pistol because Marty played this in the future. Uh, do you remember when he's in the cafe in the future in the arcade? Yeah. And he plays he plays the the gunshot game, and, oh, and Elijah nice. Wood is there. And he says, oh, I love this. I used to play this game all the time. I used to be the highest scorer. And um, and then Elijah Wood says, you have to use your hands. That's like a baby's toy. <laughs> and then Marty actually, and now Marty gets to play it in real life in the 1800s where it would have been invented. So cool. I just love it. It's just another really clever way they tied two and three together. You know, there's all those little references. I think the video game in the uh, in the future in Back's Future Two is the same name as the stand that Marty's at. Brilliant. I don't, I, I need to check my facts on that. I'm if sure that's it is. True, it was that, like that's awesome. If that's a legit fact, I I'm impressed. Well, I'm gonna have to fucking research it now, aren't I? Well, I, <laughs> I expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> right, hang on. I'm gonna I'm working tirelessly here. <laughs> I say that sat in the chair sat on my arse watching a film it's called no no I've lost it no no I ain't got it let me have a look I realise this is this is not great entertainment when I'm not really talking you need to start filling in the yeah. talking so we <laughs> Where are you on on this? Because I I think I've just uh, seen him win at the game. Oh, the guy's about to give Marty the pistol for me. Ah, okay. I'll hold fire. So basically, he doesn't do very well at the game, and then he does amazingly well at the game. Yeah. So if you give me the nod when he's about to give the pistol back. Yep, yep. Oh, he has done. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's given the pistol back, and Marty's just shot all of them in yeah. succession. Brilliant! And he's just like spun the pistols. Like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got Mad Dog coming back on the scene now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> so he just says to Marty, "Where did you learn to shoot like that?" And he says, "The Seven Eleven." Which is really funny. I'd never heard that line before. <clears throat> yeah, Mad Dog's gang are there, and uh, Strickland is yeah, also Marshall there. Yeah, Strickland. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so good. And this is like a Strickland descendant on on the left, yeah. right? 
some sort of Strickland grandfather, let's say, or something like that. I, don't I know. think so. Yeah. So because the the, the young so child funny. was Marty's grand great grandfather, so I think this should yeah. should be like a great or or a grandfather again, like Strickland's grandfather. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, this film is so good. I just love that Strickland's busting Biff's balls, even in like the 1800s. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, it's really... Does he say slack? Has he said slacker yet? You're a slacker. I don't know. Hang on. Because he keeps going about discipline, but I don't think he said slackers. No. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he says he says to maintain discipline at all times. <laughs> I like it in Back to Future 2 where he shouts, eat lead slackers, as he's shooting this gun down the street. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I seriously can't get enough of these films. I've realised this with you. Like, they're just so good, aren't they? I love that they've... <laughs> the plate is by a company called Frisbee, and he's really impressed by that. Yeah, and they don't understand why, do they? Because no. he, he hasn't been invented yet. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, because I think he just he throws the Frisbee pie, doesn't he, later? Yeah. At Biff or at somebody. Again, spoiler alert. <laughs> if you've not seen this film yet, uh, there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen this film yet and you're watching it for the first time, what the hell is wrong with you? Why have you not seen this film before? <laughs> and why did you choose to watch along with us? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People really need to check themselves, don't they? Um, so that band playing on stage, I believe, is ZZ Top. Um, yes. So that's actually ZZ Top behind them <laughs> on the stage with the, with the acoustics. According to the um, the book, Billy Gibbons, Rock and Roll Gearhead, ZZ Top were hanging around the set and were asked to be the town band. During one of the takes, the camera broke, and whilst waiting for the camera to be repaired, Michael J. Fox asked them if they would play Hey, Good Lookin', which they did. <laughs> Afterwards, more requests were uh, played from uh, other members of the cast. A massive two hours went by when someone inquired if the camera had yet been repaired. Zemeckis replied that the camera had been fixed for quite a while, but we just didn't want to stop the party that had evolved. (laughs) (laughs) So they just had a little party on set, apparently, with ZZ Top, which I think is such a cool fact. That's awesome. I mean, if ZZ Top were involved, you'd want to have a party, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's so good. Oh, I do have a fact, actually. Oh, yeah? About the Frisbee. Yeah. Um, Frisbee's pie, so the pie plate um, that is going to be used in a few minutes, was a company started in Connecticut in the US. Their pie pans were thrown on the campuses of Yale, and this eventually led to the invention of the Frisbee, which is what they now call them. So that literally is a real fact. Frisbee pies were used as 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 discs to throw on the on the campus of Yale, and that's why they became frisbees. And Marty's about to do it. <laughs> yeah, and Marty shoots the, uh, throws the frisbee, and knocks the gun out of Mad Dog's hand. That's, That's great. Because I've oh, so good. Already set up earlier that he only had one shot with that gun as well, because he, he had to hand all his other guns in, so he's only got that little gun. So he that re- tiny one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's quite good for the plot as well. Otherwise, he'd have just got another gun out and shot Doc, wouldn't he? Yeah. Or he'd have shot Marty. 
<laughs> yeah, I love this bit. You so this is the this is the classic bit where Marty can't back down from a challenge. Yeah. Which we found out in the second one that it led to an accident that had crippled his arm, which is why he can't play guitar anymore. Is that right? I think that's right correct, yeah. That? Um, and I think we do get to see the culmination of this by the end of the film. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> not now Marshall's got our guns like I said we'll finish this tomorrow <laughs> oh so funny isn't it and then he's like we'll finish it uh, what about Monday are we doing anything Monday <laughs> <laughs> I just want Thomas Wilson to get a retrospective Academy Award for this film and for all of the films yeah like Thomas F. Wilson, if you are listening to this podcast, which you won't be, but you deserve a, you really deserve the Academy Award. You're so good in this film. Absolutely. And probably not as recognised as the other actors, but should be. No, he's just such a good actor and he really does carry that villain role in all three of them so well. Yeah. And he calls him Eastwood, which I think is also really funny. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Strickland, yeah, Strickland's the sheriff, isn't he? Sheriff yeah. Strickland. I love the way they spin their guitars. <laughs> Mad Dogs just said, I'll hunt you down like a duck. <laughs> he says, it, it's a dog, Buford. Hunt him down like a dog. And it's the, this idea that Biff constantly gets the insults wrong. <sighs> That's one of my missus's favourite lines. Do you know in the second one where he says, um, make like a tree and, and get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> and it always makes her laugh. It's so good. Right, let me have a look. I love all the jokes that are based on him calling himself Eastwood. Like, everyone's yeah. like, thank you for your gallantry, Mr. Eastwood. I mean, they really got their use out of that, didn't they? Yeah. It's like the um, it, it, Blackadder Goes Forth, where there's Captain Darling, and they get so yeah. many jokes out of calling him Darling. It's great. Yeah, and it and apparently that was another thing that they that Stephen Fry just came up with, and they got a laugh, so he did it again, and he got a bigger laugh. And they did it again and again and again, and it just kept getting laughed. So they carried on using it throughout the series, apparently. Brilliant. Um, and it's that thing, isn't it, where Stephen Fry walks in with his big moustache and goes, hello, darling. And everyone just starts <laughs> laughing automatically because it's just really stupid. It is. It's great. It's, and, 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 the, and no one else acknowledges it apart from the audience watching the, the Blackadder. Yeah. No one else finds it. None of the characters find it unusual or amusing. And I find that it's just the funniest thing. It works so well, doesn't it? It's it's the Trigger Dave thing, isn't it? From Fools and Horses, yeah. you know, where Trigger calls Rodney Dave. No one else does, but no one really knows why Trigger calls Rodney Dave. <laughs> but it says it, he says it in every episode and it's always funny. It's, I, I love little things like that. Uh, so good. Uh, this is the only film in the trilogy where Marty and Doc get their catchphrases reversed. Marty says, great Scott, and Doc Brown replies, yeah, this is heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that scene was where you... uh, Michael J. Fox was speaking to himself, that's yeah. the only time where I don't think the special effects hold up because Marty's lighting 
on young Marty looks very different to the rest of the scene. So you can see. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Yeah, where they've been superimposed. Yeah, it's the only time I've seen it in in any of these films where it's looked really obvious, but. It's really difficult to do um, green screen live action and and that kind of lighting on a on a dark yeah. background. So like, obviously they're shooting at night. It's incredibly hard to make that seamless when the lighting is a, a nighttime yeah. lighting. Yeah, if you do a daytime scene, daytime lighting, the, the that light is so easy to match, isn't it? Because it's daylight. Yeah, it's the same light. Whereas artificial light's really difficult. I mean, don't get me wrong, it still looked a lot better than some of the green screen in more recent films. So they did, uh, they did just, a... just Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> so they did a wicked job, but, you know, um, yeah. it was just it was the first time we've gone, ooh, that stands out. I've started noticing it actually more and more where films, I don't even know how you'd phrase this, but like Netflix films, modern films that are made very quickly, um, they're made for a very, you know, they're on a budget and they are using quite cheap special effects, which by sort of 80s and 90s standards would have been superb, I guess. Yeah. But they still don't hold up and they look cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. I find water and fire is one, like the the two basic elements on the planet that you think are so easy to match up because we have loads of water and we have loads of fire. We know how they behave. But when CGI fire is on screen in films, it just never looks right. No. No. Unless done by a really good visual effects company, like they did it in Star Wars with, with Darth Vader and stuff, that looked pretty good. And I think they did it in like Volcano, but I'm pretty sure probably most of the stuff in Volcano would have been like live action fire. Yeah. On set. But you know what I mean by that? Like they, they can't seem to do, even in like the Harry Potter films, they can't really do fire fake. It just doesn't look good. It doesn't look like fire. Yeah. It, it's missing something, isn't it? Yeah, and I just found that really strange. And I saw it in a film recently with water where there's like a boat coming in on the water and the water was CGI, but you could tell the water was CGI. And I think either shoot the film with water or make the water look better. <laughs> <laughs> you have two options. Mm. And they always go with the third I mean, option. Natalie and I watched a documentary of the week where there was like snow in it, um, but the snow was very obviously CGI. And you know when you think, I reckon me and you could make a film at work and put CGI snow on it and probably blend it better to make it look more like CGI snow. This film just looked... It, you could just very clearly tell it was a snow filter in front of a bunch of actors. Oh, no. <laughs> to the point where I'm like, is the snow that relevant? Like, get rid of the snow. It looks shit. I love this. He's dressed up in a, <coughs> basically a onesie wearing a yeah, cowboy and he's hat. Doing, doing the you talking he's doing, to me. Yeah, doing the Robert De Niro bit. From a taxi driver, right? Yeah, and then he says, go ahead, make my day. So he then flits back to the Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> now all the people are offering him their their goodwill. Yeah. Um, cigars, guns, uh, and the Undertaker is going to measure him a suit. <laughs> Which is really funny. That's great. Do you know what though? I could, I would love to just walk around that set. Like I'd love to just walk around yeah. a cowboy set. I thought this when I watched um, Westworld recently. Oh, you yeah. think about how wonderful the Westworld sets are. You're like, I just love a day walking around a saloon and a cowboy street just to see what it's like and have a look in every window. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it would be it's. They, they've had some towns in England or little villages set up, haven't they? Where mm. uh, the people are paid actors and they just live out their lives yeah. as 
as those people and it's designed for education yeah. they've probably got the same yeah. thing in america i guess where you, you can yeah go i'm to, sure they would have like various different variations on deadwood yeah like monument valley in utah and stuff yeah yeah that's so funny and they're using the the photograph again as a means of explaining why time hasn't caught up with them Yes, this happens in the first one. It's the photo of his family. Yeah. The second one, it's the photo of is it George McFly's um, gravestone slash the newspaper. Yeah, there's a newspaper with Doc being incarcerated, isn't there? That's true. Yeah. And now this this one, it's the it's the gravestone. It's a really good use of the photo to simplify the nature of the change. The time travel change. It's brilliant. And I think this film, because it, they knew what time zone they wanted to go back in, I don't think yeah. he used a newspaper to work out what date it was, did he, in this one? Where do you think no, he's done in no. the others? Well, yeah, because he already knew he was going back to 1885, didn't he? Yeah. There was no kind of shock value because he was already intending to go there. Yeah. I like this little tender moment between Doc and Marty yeah. where... Doc, Ma- Marty knows that this is the only time he's going to get to take Doc back before Doc gets shot and Doc says you know I'm in love with this woman I feel like I might just need to go with the flow and see what happens and he's like well, no you're going to get killed and it's really yeah. really tender but really sweet that there's that moment where their friendship Marty's gone with his logic and Doc has gone with his heart which is a complete role reversal of the two characters where where Marty's done everything with his gut and Doc does everything with his brains and it's completely switched. Yeah. It's really clever. I think it's a really, really nice evolution of the characters. Yeah. Like you say, Doc was always the grown-up, but here he's not. Yeah. And Marty's having to almost sort of shake him and say, no, you need to come back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love... I think that is... For me, that's a real testament to how a film changes the character's journey, how the character changes so much through the journey. Yeah. Um... Marty's embraced time travel now knows that the mission is more important um, and Doc's starting to become more like Marty where he's following his, his heart on his sleeve and he's more about the moment and yeah it's really cool it, it's so so weird as well because Doc's gone from wishing he'd never invented the time machine to now wanting to stay and understanding the benefits of of you know the future can always be rewritten so he's he sort of had a switcheroo since he's fallen in love where yeah originally he was like i hate this time machine but what have i done let's let's get home and now he's fallen in yeah. love he's like ah, oh, I, I, yeah i, like I think i think there would be something quite comforting in living in a world where you already know the outcome of the next 70 years do you know what i mean yeah not in a weird way but in a in, it's kind of a comforting thing to i i don't know I guess it's kind of scary for us not knowing what's around the corner. I mean, me and you were doing this podcast a couple of years ago and we didn't know that, you know, this lockdown and bloody global pandemic was around the corner. So you just don't know. But to imagine to know what the next year is going to be. Oh, that's the year that happens. I better be careful that year. Do you know what I mean? It'd be really odd, wouldn't it? It would. It'd be really, it'd be so strange to know that, you know, you're coming up on a certain event. Because, like, obviously we know from all the time travel books and films that we've both read that you can't go and stop something like JFK being shot or the Twin Tower disaster. Like, you kind of have to let these things happen, but you'd be prepared for them, wouldn't you? Because you'd already know that they were going to happen. Yeah. But it, it, I guess there would be a thing niggling at you all the time where you're like, 
could I just go and warn everybody that there's a fire in the Twin Towers and get them to evacuate that morning? Do you know what I mean? Could I go and set a fire alarm off yeah. and then make sure they all leave just before that happens? Because you would be, I think you'd just be compelled to do that, wouldn't you, as a human being? Yeah. Yeah, you'd have, I don't think you? you could just ignore it, ignore time, yeah, and let it happen. You'd have to go and try and change something, especially things that are personal to yourself, like people's, you know, we both know people that have had accidents and stuff. You'd probably be like, I'd want to go and stop that from happening just to make sure they're all right. Um, but in doing so, you would literally change everything about the world. You would. And just to get back to the film for a sec, Marty's just made <laughs> Doc realise how awful it would be if he did stay. Uh, yeah, and Doc's gone back to I want to destroy this infernal machine again. So Marty's been a real mood yeah. hoover and and he's, <laughs> killed. He's kind he, of like yeah, killed Doc's He's wake, woken him up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's given him a shake. This is now the lovely again, lovely tender moment. I don't think we had many tender moments in the second one, really. No, because no. it, it's kind of going at a hundred mile an hour all the way through, isn't it? It's certainly more of a comedy that one, isn't it? Whereas this yeah. feels like a tragedy in some ways because Doc almost gets exactly what he wants, but it's going to yeah. ultimately lead to his death or he can choose to give yeah. up everything that he's got and potentially live. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. I feel like the stakes are more on Doc in this one than in the second one. The stakes are very much Marty's future, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like obviously, we know that this film's literally about Marty trying to save Doc from being shot. That's the premise. Yeah. But the deeper meaning, the deeper connection between him and Clara and the fact that, like you say, Doc's got to change his future to, to save himself. And it's that decision making that you're going to have to go through. Um, and I think I like that better. I think it's it, it's it's richer. It's deeper. It's more personal, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of like a, a more meaningful version of what they had to do in the first film. Because if you think about it, the first film is about Marty saving Doc from being shot. Because... Yeah, and he leaves him yeah. that message. Yeah, 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 just yeah. need to wear a bulletproof vest. <clears throat> yeah, and he has to try and save his mum and dad's relationship, which again, in turn, will make sure he's born. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you're right. I think in many ways this feels more like a sequel than the second one did. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> delivering his time machine speech. Yeah. Oh, and now Doc feels like he's he can't lie to her, so he's told her that the time machine is what well, he's got a time machine in his garage, and he's going to use it to go back in time. I mean, you would think it was ludicrous. I'd think it was ludicrous. <laughs> I think we blew someone's mind at work. I might be Richard or somebody. I don't know who it was. We were saying, um, like, oh, we know time travel hasn't invented. They're like, well, how? Like, no one's come back. <laughs> <laughs> Like, true, there's been it? no in in all of recorded history there's no record of anyone coming back and saying they're from the future that's not been written anywhere yeah. which means they couldn't have done it yet yeah <laughs> it's a good point uh, or, or that, oh that means sorry that means rather that that'll never happen because if it was ever going to happen they could have come back at any point yeah unless they did come back and didn't communicate with anybody which would be really difficult to do well yeah because you someone from the future you'd think would probably stand out uh, I watched um, a, a video on YouTube uh, about a guy talking about how a, a modern English speaking person how far back could they go and still be understood and it's probably only like oh, yeah, yeah. years or something like that it's, it's not long you know because if yeah. you go back far enough English changes so much that you probably yeah. would stand out like a sore thumb 
Yeah, I mean, you look at Chaucer, Old English, yeah. Canterbury Tales. Like, I, I tried to read that with Natalie because she she learned it at university when she was doing her masters, but I I struggled. I didn't understand it. It's very odd. Yeah, it's Germanic, and it's just lots of ups and downs and funny phrases that sound a little bit like English. <laughs> it sounds like gibberish yeah. ultimately, but again, it's the it's the form of English before all our illusions. Uh, sorry, all our different um, intonations and slang yeah i like this as well with doc in the uh bar telling all of the cowboys about the future <laughs> even though he explicitly told marty will never ever tell anybody about their own destiny about what's going to happen and he's gone to a bar got drunk and told everybody <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously that down he's just willing to break all yeah. rules so this is it now this is the morning isn't it that they've got to leave yeah I actually don't think this is... We're an hour and 13 minutes into this film. It doesn't feel like we've been watching it that long, actually. No, I mean, to be fair, I've been watching it an hour and 16 minutes, Jake, so... (laughs) Tell me if you've fucking done this again. (laughs) Time travelling during our watch-along. I I don't know how you're doing it. I think it's very fitting that I seem to be on a very different version of time than you. (laughs) Clearly, yeah, yeah, clearly. I also like how Marty's progressively looked more and more like Clint Eastwood throughout the film. Now he's got the with his outfit change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just told all the um, the locals that in the in the future we drive cars and we run for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I don't really remember this bit, you know. You don't remember this bit? Marty trying to... F- like, Marty's trying to find Doc and Doc's still in the bar. I don't remember this bit at all from watching it originally. There you go. Every day's a school day. Yeah. I thought they just went. <laughs> <laughs> I love the hillbilly accents that all these cowboys have. It's great. I love that he got to drop the line in just now as well, where he says, uh, Doc, you've got to come back with me. And he's like, back where? And he's like, back to the future. <laughs> uh, Emmett's drank the whiskey. And collapsed. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was his first whiskey. Because the guy earlier said he's only had that one drink. Yeah, he said he's been sat with that one drink all night and not drank it. That's so funny, isn't it? It's great. It's it. Do you know what I found really hard about these watch-alongs? As we've done, this is the third one we've done now. Obviously, I found it really hard to just not stop talking and just watch the film. Yeah. Like I love this film. I loved all three of them. And you feel like actually you miss quite a bit when you're trying to concentrate on the film, but then you've got people listening to you at the same time. It is difficult, isn't it? You're trying to be, you know, informative and enjoy yourself. I'm going to read some facts as we go through this next bit. Let me just have a look, see what I've got on here. Uh, yeah, so trademark fact of Back to the Future. In each of these films, Thomas Wilson, a.k.a. Biff, always ends up covered in manure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I love the whatever they're pouring down that funnel looks disgusting. Oh god, it's awful, isn't it? He looks like some sort of tomato juice. Yeah. <laughs> He's gone straight into the Yeah, I'm guessing top. it's Yeah. Uh, so apparently for three weeks, Zemeckis would fly to Los Angeles after his uh, day's filming on the train climax. Uh, he'd fly to L.A. Um, to approve the sound dub from Bob Gale, who had been supervising on Back to the Future 2. He would then get up at 4.30 in the morning the next day and fly back to Northern California to continue filming for that day and then do it all over again. <laughs> it's almost like he needs a time machine. That is mad, isn't <laughs> it? So crazy. for three weeks... He'd fly from Northern California to LA, drop off the stuff to the studio, then go to bed, get up at four, get a flight back up to Northern California to carry on filming in the in the desert with the train. Wow, that's a that's a long few weeks, that isn't it? That, that's a lot of work to go through, but it paid off because the films just match perfectly, don't they? Yeah, it's really funny. Calling out Eastwood. Oh, so the town they built for this film was in Chinese Camp, California, mm. and in an, in an eerily fitting way, it was actually destroyed by a lightning storm in 1996. Weird. That is weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the whole creepy. the whole village was destroyed by a lightning storm, like lightning striking the tower. Um, before the new courthouse clock is reset to eight, ready for its official start, it can be seen behind Doc and Marty when they are looking at the map of the ravine, where it reads 10.04, the precise time in the future that it stops at when it uh, gets struck by lightning. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's, a, that's a class. That's a good fact, isn't yeah, it? I like that. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this is quite a sad fact. But interesting. Uh, in the course of a year that it took them to film Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3, uh, Michael J. Fox had lost his father, um, but his missus had given birth to a son. Oh. So within a year and a bit that they'd filmed the two films back to back, he'd lost his dad and, and, given, and his wife had given birth to his son. That's quite cute, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Oh, that's... Kind of sad, but really, really kind of, kind of weird. Yeah. That would have been a big year for Michael J. Fox. I love it. He's now he's not going out to to fight Mad Dog to save his own sort of name, but he's had to go out there and defend the name of Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, and I like the idea that he has to. He only has to fight uh, Mad Dog because he's in the way. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they should have been on the train already, but they really need to go, and Mad Dog's now in the way of Marty getting out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is my. I think Mad Dog is my favorite thing that they did with Biff. Yeah, like I like how he spits all the time and drools when he's shouting. Like just that level of detail uh, that Thomas Wilson did with the character. Yeah. <laughs> I 
love that just as Marty's ready to go fight, Doc leaps out of his chair. Yeah, he wakes up. I like this though, because you've got Biff in the sorry, Tannen, Mad Dog in the middle of the street. At the end of the street you can see the train about to leave. Yeah. So you can see that like literally perfectly sets up. Oh, they need to get out there quick and he's gonna kill him. Um Train's about to leave. Yeah. And it's leaving. That's it's great, isn't it? Yeah, I like I like the tension now. It's kinda of cool. It, it, but it's it's little details like that that initially you hear the train and then you see the train and it's the first time you hear the train that you realise oh gosh it's it's happening soon and then it just hammers yeah. it home with the visual yeah that's funny <laughs> I like that Biff says I need to shoot somebody today, and it might as well be you. (laughs) I'm trying to find... Okay, so Tom Wilson based the uh, characterization of Buford Mad Dog Tannen on Lee Marvin's character, Liberty Valance, in the... uh, Famous film, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Ah. That's the one with um, with uh, John Wayne and uh, Jimmy Stewart. You know, yeah, the, um, famous western. It's a really good film. Uh, so that's where he got the idea. Like all the inspiration for Buford comes from uh, Liberty Valance. I love that Clara just worked out that they were talking about Emmett on the train, and she turns around and goes, "Yeah, did he have big brown puppy dog eyes and long silver hair?" <laughs> and the guy was like. You know him. <laughs> like he recognized the puppy dog <laughs> eyes. Yeah. It's great. This is great as well, because this is literally playing out the um this is playing out the bit that we saw in the Clint Eastwood film, uh in Back to the Future Two. Yeah. When Biff is in the hot tub with the girls watching this on TV, do you remember? Yeah, they they reference and this, it, don't they? And they reference the bulletproof vest. <laughs> it's great. Right, you couldn't. I just you can't get more of a perfect film moment. Like they're just so clever, and it's so well shot as well. It looks like a classic western, even down to yeah, the it does. Like yeah, that, you know, the, the close-ups on the face so you can see them sweating and. Like the yeah. twitch of the fingers reaching for the guns. It, it just feels just like an old Western. Yeah. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's so tense now. Yeah. Oh, apparently this is a good fact. I like this one. There's just so many to go through. Like I could honestly be here all day, but uh, the DeLorean makes its longest single leap through time in this movie, traveling 100 years, one month, and 20 days from September the 7th, 1985 to October the 27th, 1985. <laughs> <laughs> in one in one journey. It does its longest journey in the end of this film. Brilliant. Yeah, so this is the moment where uh, 
uh, Marty puts the iron stove under his poncho. Yeah. This was from a movie, uh, the fist, a fistful of dollars, and this is obviously <laughs> in the same film that Biff was watching in the hot tub in Back to the Future yeah. Two. Yeah, it's so good. It's clever. And the music kicks in. Yeah. Because this feels like mm. an Indiana Jones moment, doesn't it? Like, Yeah, it's proper hero beats the villain moment. And obviously Indiana always fights like a really big bad guy in each of the films, doesn't yeah. he? Like a, an oversized henchman kind of character. Uh, which is like yeah, a little like a nod, a nod to those movies. And there's the manure. Yes, and he lands in the manure, just like it was foretold. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> <laughs> I love how his crony's like, you know what I think? I think Buford's going to jail and they just run away. <laughs> he says, I hate manure. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. So good. And they broke, oh yeah, Biff's fallen through the gravestone, which has now disappeared in time because yeah. he's broken it. That's clever. Yeah. I like that use of the gravestone, the photograph again. Yeah, it's so good. This is a really, this is a really funny fact I just read out, and I couldn't really make sense of it, so I had to read it twice. <laughs> it's never explained why the Tannins hate, bully, and antagonize McFlies in the Back to the Future trilogy. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a good fact, I guess. That's funny. Yeah, so now they've got to catch up with the train to hijack the train. And she's got to try and catch up with them. I mean, she she just looked down at the at the toy and understood that it was a time machine. Don't know how. It doesn't know it had time machine written on it. Did it? Ah, right, that'd be why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, the the DeLorean model she picks up has the word "time machine" written over the top of the uh, of the little car. Yeah. I mean, you are giving the game away a bit, leaving that lying around in 1885, yeah. right? I, I mean, I probably would have cleaned that away, if I'm honest, just in case someone stumbled upon it. This is like that thing about, you know, you watch documentaries on Netflix about people that have found things in the pyramids and they reckon that, like, the if you look at the hieroglyphics in the pyramids, they were building a time-traveling machine with inside the pyramid. That's what it was all for, blah, blah, blah. You're like, Ugh, really? Are you sure you're watching a documentary and not Stargate? <laughs> yeah. Hate to yeah. Project. Stargate's not a documentary. <laughs> it's, not, it's definitely not Stargate. You know, you know what I mean. I don't. You yeah. like there's those people, those mad bastards that think like the pyramids had electricity in them and stuff. But we've uh, we hidden it so that people don't think that they're that advanced. And then the Egyptians knew more about space than we did, and all this blah blah blah. blah that they were built by aliens. Uh, 
loads of people have said, you know, they were built by humans. It took them a long time and they used the river to get the rocks down to the sites. <laughs> and they used loads of logs to roll the logs into place. Yeah. And, and, and they used lots of slaves to hoist the rocks up. Yeah. I mean, you don't need electricity like, when you've got slaves. That's literally how they did it. They had lots and lots and lots and lots of men carrying them. And, and lots of them died carrying them. Now... I don't get this bit. They pulled their masks up over their face, even though they're planning on travelling to the future and they'll never get seen again. I know, but it's funny, isn't it? Also, you know, I think we're all pretty accustomed to wearing bandanas and masks around our faces now anyway. Yeah. I like that though. Is this a hold-up? No, it's a science experiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's just a science experiment. Do you know they're trying to... Um, they have to get the fire really hot, don't they, to get it to go really fast. Yeah. Why didn't they release the tender at the back of the locomotive? Yeah. You know, the bit with all the wood in it? Surely that's going to weigh them down a bit. You'd think, wouldn't you? I mean, they don't use the wood, do they? They're using, they use some special logs that the dock has made. Yeah. Does he, did he, you mention that, didn't he, earlier? That he's got like different logs that you put in and they're going to make the fire really hot. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. So why have you got the tender? Get rid of it. Yeah, it's just weighing you down. That's silly. Oh, well. But Doc's loving to pull the, the horn on the train. I've seen this train, James, or one of the trains, anyway. There's a, I think it's that train. I saw it at Universal Studios. Ah, they still have the train. They have it. They they have the train and the DeLorean uh, on like a plinth in Universal Studios. You can go and take a photo with it. Nice. Pretty cool. That's cool. That's, that's yeah, a more interesting yeah, that's train sold. than the Harry Potter one. Oh, I saw that at Universal as well, but I don't think that was the real one. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real one's probably in a factory in York somewhere. In fact, isn't the real one, I'm being really naive again, isn't the real one literally in the universe in the in the Harry Potter studio tour that you went on? Yeah. It's there, isn't yeah. it? You can can you take a photo with it? Yeah, I'm you can go you can. on it. Like oh, you really? the carriages and what have you, yeah. Did you, did you go in the carriages? I did. I've no idea where it was. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you feel like you would go back to the Harry Potter world now that you know what it all is? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I'd go back. I I just <laughs> I think though it would spoil my memories of it because my memories are very very innocent memories of not knowing anything. <laughs> yeah, about this random room with loads of owls and moving pictures and shit. Yeah, like that, I'm I'm sure I was in Dumbledore's office at one point and having no idea why the phoenix thing turned around and became stairs. Oh yeah, the statue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's funny. Right, imagine how I, imagine I, how funny it is when you have no idea what it's about. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've not been to the studio tour, and I also know a lot more about it than you. So I should have probably have gone before I did the did, did the uh, did the episodes. But that's done now. Yeah. We've boxed that off. Oh. We're definitely not doing Harry Potter again. No, no. Are we right? We're nearly there. No. We've got stunt double riding behind the train. Yes, and Marty is in the train, and Doc has put the first log in, yeah. trying to get that fire nice and hot. And those special logs, they just look like rolled up carpet. <laughs> That's probably all they are, James. <laughs> I bought some, um, I have a log burner in the garden, like a chimney thing. Mm. And at like certain shops, garden centres and things, you can buy logs that are supposed to be like super hot burners. And they literally are like a big roll of, of like hay. Mm. It doesn't look like much at all. And I stuck it in the chimney. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was 
it was unbelievable. It burnt for about an hour on its own, wow. and it's just right ro- roasting hot. Whatever is in that thing, like when the fire got it, it's just like nuclear fuel. Wow, it's brilliant. So I'm guessing whatever Doc's using is a variation of that. Right. So Claire is on the back of the train, yeah. dangling like Doc's a on the local character. It's brilliant. Doc's now trying to get off the train. Onto the car. I love the kind of m- massive yeah. battery that they've rigged up to these walkie-talkies. What, so they can run yeah. them? <laughs> you don't realise the limitations of being in the 1800s. It'd be, it would suck, they, especially if you got ill while you were there. They, they, they wouldn't have any Wi-Fi, would they? It'd be no, like my that's my biggest house. fear. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fan of your grand's house, are you? I'm starting to... <laughs> Starting to figure that out now. I, uh, I, yeah, I just, I always say to my missus and to my family, like my, my nan and stuff, I could, I could deal with going back, but I don't think I could get ill there. No. Just knowing that they don't have the medical care available for anything, like toothache. If you get toothache in the 1800s, you're screwed. Yeah. I don't want to have an abscess in 1885. Do you know what I mean? I'd be terrified of getting ill. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. It would be, it would be horrible. Just not having basic medical facilities and care and being able to have operations and things with clean hands, you know, I'd, I'd just be terrified about all that. Oh, right, Claire is making the train make noise. Yeah. Am I ahead of you again no, or no, behind you? you? I'm confused. We're about there. Yeah, so Doc and Claire are, are having a little moment. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> I do. I really like this bit. You know, I like the pacing of it and everything. Because yeah, this bit's where it gets. They seem to be able to do it no matter what. In every single one of the films, they manage to make the the going back in time sequence incredibly tense. And in this one, the stakes can't really be higher because they've literally just. If it doesn't work, they go off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. It's not like in the other one where if they miss the lightning bolt, he's just stuck. Like he doesn't. Nothing bad is yeah. going to happen. You just get stuck yeah, forever wait, in the future. Yeah, in, in the past. One. I guess so. But I, I don't know how that would work, but I guess you could wait for another lightning bolt. Yeah. But this one, you just have to explain why you've broken the train. If you well, you'd be dead, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I bet that DeLorean weighs about the same amount as that train. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not far <laughs> off. No. We will do some shit merchandise before we finish as well. I'll remind us to do uh, that. Yes, definitely. I do find these. Um, I love. I love our watch-alongs, but I do find them that they are harder to plan in what you want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, because suddenly you'll see something. I mean, obviously, that's really distracting on on screen, and you want to talk about that, and then you lose your train of thought. Yeah. I mean, I mean anyone that knows this podcast, James and I like to have digressions within our digressions, oh. uh, and that's really hard to do whilst you're watching a film. Yeah. <laughs> Let me have a look. The the some of the facts that I've got in my facts list get more and more tenuous. Let me read this one to you. Um, 
throughout this trilogy, each year that Doc and Marty travel ends in the number five. <laughs> that's, that's almost like... It doesn't matter, James. Don't do that. No, no. It doesn't matter. That's not clever. That's just an observation. That's not even a fact, is it? You know what it that's is, bullshit. though, Jake? It's at the same level as whoever realised that both uh, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne's mums were called Martha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. level of fact. <laughs> it's... Oh, God. I hate that. Right. Oh, this is fun. In 1996, the Lego company released their line of time travel themed sets as a part of a promotion for both the Time Cruisers and the Wild West sets being released. The comic section of the Lego magazine did a two part piece sending one of their Lego characters to the Wild West. <laughs> so it's basically like a homage to this film, yeah. which is quite cute. That's cool. I didn't never knew that, yeah. I didn't even know that Lego had done a Western. I guess they would have done. Yeah. I never thought about it. They must have done They've done everything. pretty much everything else, haven't they? I... That must be a weird thing for like a company like Lego, where you're like, what have we not done? Yeah. We've done everything. We've, we've, we've done <laughs> let's it Let's do all. that again. Uh, what do we do now? Oh, let's let's do like grown-up Lego. We'll call it Technics and people won't mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is now. It's like £500 for a new Star Wars Lego yeah, set. So they're definitely tapping into the adult market. So the train's gone off the edge of the uh, ravine. The DeLorean has vanished, as it always does. Yeah. But Doc and Clara have not gone. They're stuck. Ah. So it was seemingly all for nothing. Oh, we noticed the sign on the uh, bridge as the DeLorean comes in. Oh, yeah. It says East Eastwood Ravine. <laughs> <laughs> Named after Clint Eastwood. That's great. <laughs> I just... I love that... It's those moments that I love in this film. Those little signs and little yeah, things nods. things changed because of what they've done. It's yeah. Great. The East Eastwood Ravine. All right, Marty's arrived, and now there's a big train coming. Because <laughs> they couldn't end it on a sad note, could they? No, not after all we've been um, through. And the DeLorean's gone. <laughs> are you at that bit as well? Yeah, I'm at that bit as well. Where are you? Are you with me? Yeah, I'm with you. The train's just hit the DeLorean. Yeah, I'm there. They did a nice little bit as well where after the train had hit it, the license plate spins around and drops just like it does in the first one. Yeah. When the uh, when the first DeLorean goes into the future with Einstein in it and the and the little um, license plate flicks on the floor. That's clever. That's great. It, it's these little references. It's just lovely when a film can reference itself yeah. from like being a trilogy. I think every single trilogy should have taken some note from this trilogy yeah or at least have a plan star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh god we're gonna have to do star wars at some point so we probably will have to have that conversation yeah. but i think we i think just because it would take so long to talk about we'll just have to save that discussion yeah i, I definitely think so <laughs> anyone that knows me knows how much of a star wars fan i am um, and how much i detest what they've done with star wars so yeah we'll we'll talk about that later Oh, Biff. Oh. This is a really great ending to a trilogy as well. This, you know, they've 
Because, yeah. I just... It, even right down to the fact that they have destroyed the, you know, the DeLorean, like they said they would do. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. His brother says, who are you supposed to be? Clint Eastwood? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just Biff being stupid. <laughs> oh, I like it when he's really stupid, Biff. That was great. Right, Jennifer's back. He's just arrived at Jennifer's house. She's on the yeah. porch. Where, where they left her, which... Uh, and she's in the normal 1985, not the alternative one, which we don't like. Yeah. yeah, it's a really clever, it's a really clever little ending, actually. And it kind of goes full circle. From, I guess this film, because Back to the Future 2 and 3 are basically the same film, aren't they? Like, yeah. They are the same story going in, in sequence. So you can't really watch one without the other, because otherwise there's no ending for the second one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. It's that whole m- movie cliche of him getting the girl at the end of it and everything being cool. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just trying to. Now they're talking about Marty in the future. Yeah. Because she had a dream. Or she thought, thinks it was a dream. Yeah, and then she realizes it wasn't a dream at all. <laughs> and there's Flea um, as Needles yeah. from Chili Peppers, and this is the this is the bit they're talking about, isn't it? All the way through the second one, <laughs> yeah, where Marty always responds to being called chicken or yellow. Yeah. There's two things I like about Needles' truck is that um, they're playing Power of Love by Huey Lewis. Yeah. And one of the one of the goons in the back of the truck is drinking a Pepsi free. <laughs> <laughs> I just love his really, really like just little tiny references that are just enough. Just enough that blink and you'll miss them. I love Flea. Don't you think that's amazing though? In that bit as well. Yeah. So good. But yeah, I love it. I love the fact that they've. Yeah, they've got this law that they can call on, you know, from yeah. from these other two films. Oh yeah, and there's the car that Marty would have crashed into. Mm-hmm. He would have crashed into the Rolls Royce had he had been yeah stupid enough to chase the car. Yeah, it's really clever. It's brilliant. And that that again loops them all back round full circle together, which is really really yeah. lovely. I, li- I just love that in the film where they can just bring everything back round full circle at the end and tie up the knots. <laughs> yeah, and now Jennifer and Marty have gone to see what's left of the DeLorean. It's so good, so so clever. It is. I'd actually forgotten how much I enjoyed this film, how how good it is. 
I'm probably I am probably going to have to sit down and watch it again on my own when we're not doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I in my head, this was my least favorite of the three. Probably still is, but yeah. it's, it's still right, yeah. good. Fair. It's still brilliant. Like look yeah. at other trilogies, and there are films that are part of that trilogy that are way way better than the others. Whereas here, I think they're all quite good. You know, the, the first one's amazing, but the other two follow it on yeah. really well. Yeah, I think it was. I think the first one's one of those films that is just hard to really beat. Yeah, not not just from a sequel perspective. Any any film, eighties. It's an eighties film classic, yeah. isn't it? It'd be like doing a sequel to ET. You just it would never be as good as the first. Don't one. Don't say things like that. It doesn't matter what you do. Will try and do it. Jay, <laughs> <laughs> what James? I'm very surprised someone hasn't I mean, already you done it. You put that that in, that thought out into the world now. If this happens, I'm blaming you. <laughs> I like that he's got two kids called Jules and Vern. I like that the train opens like a gullwing, like the DeLorean. <laughs> yeah. I saw a really good meme the other day, and it was uh, of the Mandalorian, and it just says uh, Mandalorian, half man, half DeLorean. <laughs> and he's got like wings coming out the side of him, that... dwarves coming out the side of his head. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that was good. These two child actors playing uh, Doc's kids are really awkward to look at. They seem really, really odd on yeah, screen. Like they're standing dead straight, stiff as a board. Yeah, like they're stiff as a board. They look really awkward. One of them keeps looking at the camera. Uh, one of them is pulling a really strange face like he's going to do a poo. <laughs> <laughs> and the picture of the clock. Right. I think, yeah, James. I think that was the that was the train that me and Nat saw. I think it's the time traveling train. Oh, okay, that's cool. Well, that's the that's yeah, the one that you makes want, more sense. The one went off a ravine. Yeah, yeah, it's this train with all the gadgets on it. Yeah, that's this is the one we saw. <laughs> I think I've got a photo of it on my phone. I'll put it on the uh, I'll put it on the uh, Instagram for the podcast later. Sweet. I need to start putting some effort into that, don't I? Really. I love that heartwarming message. Your future is ever whatever you make it. I like that. So make it a good one. Yeah. It's a bit cringy, but I'm going yeah, with it. I'm, it's, I'm happy it's with Hollywood. it. It's fine. We can have Hollywood messages. Things were better in the 80s, James. Yeah. Everything was happy. There was absolutely no chance of Donald Trump becoming president then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and put some of our pictures up. And that is the end. Yeah. Of the trilogy, James. We did it. Done. We, we ended with a flying Back train. to the future. Oh, we did. Oh, I love it. It's so good, it's isn't it? Brilliant. I just want to say thank you for everyone for putting up with me and James through this uh, lockdown and through this trilogy. Uh, I'm sure, hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. Um, I am going to go with, before we go, James, our shit merch competition, which we are bringing back. Yes. Um, just to let you all know as well, James and I will be carrying on now. This is going to be the start of a basically a new series of the podcast. Where we're going to be doing different franchises now. I think we've talked about this, haven't we, James? I think we're probably going to do maybe Jurassic Park next. Apparently they have a T-Rex. They apparently have a T-Rex. Apparently it's, uh, well, yeah, it's it's... It's a good one to follow on from, I think, with Back to the Future. It's also, we can do three films. We're not going to do, like, ten films like we were trying to do with, with our other podcasts yeah. or with our other, with our other franchises. And I think if we just do the Jurassic Park trilogy, 
we can save Jurassic World for a rainy day. Uh, absolutely. And we'll do Jurassic World. We'll do Jurassic World when they're all when they've all come yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next year. <laughs> Whenever they finish filming it or release it. Um, um so yeah. So James, do you want to go ahead with your shit merchandise yeah. for the competition? We'll put a jingle in here as well about now. There we go. Jingle done. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah. Merch for this film because it's the third in a, in in a trilogy was difficult to find. Almost even on their own website, uh if you look at uh, backtothefuture.store, they they have a catalog of merch there and yeah. Films one and two are definitely referenced. Film three, not not yep. so much. But I went with Back to the Future, Doc and Marty, odd socks. So one sock has Doc <laughs> on it and the other one has Marty on it. Excellent. And they're, they're, you'll be happy to know they're unisex socks. I didn't realise you had any other kind of sock. And you can get them in sizes 6 to 13. No idea uh, what American money that is, but 6 to 13 size socks. That's brilliant. Are they still for sale now? Can you buy those right now? Uh, <laughs> Oddly, it says our price, and then a, a little link that says log in for price. So I have no idea if they're still for sale, but you can add them to your cart. I did um, panic a little bit with the merch competition, so I did search. And I again, Back to the Future is one of those films where, as hard as I can search for shit merch, all the merch seems pretty good. Like, I think we did in the first one I showed you guys, we were talking about the Playmobil DeLorean that they bought out this year. Yeah literally just been bought out for the kids and i think that's a wonderful piece of merch like actually really want one so if anyone wants to get me one um you know send it to me do the franchise uh i'll i'll, I'll take it but yeah playmobil did a, a delorean they're doing lots of back to future toys i found what i can consider probably pretty shit merch it is a shirt james yeah. it's from back to the future it is on the website zavi.com it's 34 pounds Comes in a various uh, various different sizes, and it's just a really tacky shirt. <laughs> um, it's like bright red and green, so that's just automatically awful. Nice. It's it's got the license plate saying "out of time" on it. It's got some flowers and then some clocks. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I will try and get a photo of it to put on the Instagram later on and on the uh, on our on our on the website. So yeah. I'll do that. But it's shit. It's the shittest thing I could find. Yeah. But 34 quid, James, that's quite expensive for a shirt. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't sound particularly inspired either. So, yeah, no. that, I think that qualifies as shit merch as far as, you know, the yeah. merch for most things back to future wise is pretty good, like you say. Yeah, I'm glad you're having that. I'm glad. So, yeah, next time we come back on, we'll probably be doing um, Jurassic Park. We're not going to be doing it as a watch along. No. Some of you will be sighing with relief. I think it, like you say, it just becomes more more tricky to enjoy the film and also make the podcast entertaining. So you, you, those two things are always fighting, yeah. and if you're doing a watch long, it's quite difficult to make them both work. So hopefully, the next one will yeah, yeah, yeah. will have our enjoyment of the film come out, but also some fun knowledge and uh, some interesting facts, as always. Yeah, well, we'll do some work and we'll watch Jurassic Park. Uh, if we actually get to, which we probably will at some point, we'll probably watch it together because I don't see why not. I'll try and clear my schedule. It's more fun when we watch them together, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We'll have to give it a go. Right. I am going to head off because it's getting late. And yeah, I uh, will talk to you soon, James. And I hope everyone enjoyed the uh, Back to the Future. Please let us know. And always, uh, as always, 
please comment, subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We would like to know who you are, where you're from. And we've got listeners now from Chicago all the way to Sheffield. Oh. So uh, international. We want to know where you're talk, where you're listening from, and we want to know. Uh, what you want to see from us going forward. So it'd be nice to know what franchises people want us to do. I'm sure the people that are listening at work will be very quickly nudging me for their favourite yes. you know, uh, franchise. So I think what we'll do is once we've done our next franchise, which we're going to do Jurassic Park, we'll get the listeners to decide what the next one is. I, that makes that, sense, that doesn't it? That sounds good to me. Right. See you later, guys. Yeah. Thanks, James. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.